Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So this uh, yesterday, Pastor, I went over and dropped off a, a birthday card at the house and spent a few minutes over there, and then he, he asked me if, uh, if I would do tonight, and so... Um, um, so I've been kind of checking my heart yesterday and then this morning and, and, uh, all right, Lord, what do you want, what do you want us to talk about? And, and, uh, what would you have me, not us, but me, y'all can join in, uh, but what would you like us to, or me to share on or talk about? And, you know, it's important we, we, we follow him and, and do what he has to say. And, uh, uh, so this morning, uh, before service, you know, some Sunday mornings are busier than others. And, uh, this, this Sunday morning, yet this morning was a particularly busy morning trying to get some things done before service. And right before I walked out, the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart what to talk about. And so I'm quickly back there typing some things in so I didn't forget it before I came out. Um, and, uh, so I want to look at a, a, a few things here tonight and I want to talk a little bit about, uh, well, uh, I don't know exactly how to uh, title this, or uh, I'm not good at titles. Maybe I need to confess I'm great at titles. In the name of Jesus, I'm great at titles. Um, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the core of the group and the core of the church. Um, you know, as the core goes, so does the rest of the group. As the core goes, so does the rest of the church. It really, um, like I said, it's something the Lord dropped in my heart right before I walked out, out of my office this morning. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I've heard people talk about, you know, the importance of, of gut health. I don't, know, I don't know what the proper terminology is for that, but what's digestive health, gut health? They said, you know, gut health, uh, digestive health really determines the health of the whole body. And if your gut is healthy, if your digestive system is healthy, it affects the health of the entire body, right? And so that's why I eat a lot of, uh, you know, chocolate and things like that and keep it, keep it. Because that's an antioxidant, and that's from the Lord. So anyway, I keep a lot of those, eat dark chocolate specifically, but uh, and ice cream. But anyway, uh, so gut health is important, and, and it affects the health of every other part of your body, right? Well, you know, and, and, and really, uh, core strength, the strength of the, of the core is, is, is so vital. And I know, you know, going to the gym, you know, you, you, you do different things and work out on different machines. And I've noticed that all of the machines at the gym the, where there's a place to have writing, you know, a lot of these machines, you go into gyms and they have, you know, uh, it's made for a specific exercise that has the instructions on there as far as what to do, how to sit, how to turn. Because, you, know, you know, if you're, you're working out on something, you can hurt yourself if you don't do it the right way. Or you, have you ever seen crazy videos on YouTube of people working out all crazy and doing ridiculous stuff? And, and you can either hurt yourself or do nothing, you know, and, and just really spin your wheels and not accomplish anything. So I've noticed on the, on the, on the machines, they'll have um, instructions as far as what to do and, and how to sit and, like I said, how to, how to bend and what to do and all the different things. But I've noticed on all the machines, it also says to tighten your abs while you do it, to, to, have, your, to have your core engaged as you're working out, whether it's uh, you're doing, uh, you know, on, on one of the machines, I don't know what they're called, but the bench press machine, it always talks about making sure you have your core engaged, you know, tighten your abs. And, and that's not just on the sit-up machine, it's on all the machines, it says that. And so, you know, I, I do know this, they say that, that your core is one of the most important things as far as to keep healthy in your life, as far as physically, is make sure you're keeping your, that part of your, of your body in good shape. Because how the core goes, so goes the rest of you. 
And the strength of your core uh, really determines the strength of the rest of your body and really uh, tells you what you're able to do and what you're able to accomplish. And so, you know, as a church, this is our Sunday night crowd. By the way, we've got a, a great crowd tonight on Sunday night. This is awesome. You ought to give yourself a round of applause. Some of you are like, I just don't like this applauding thing in church. Anyway, that's all right. Uh, it's okay. But um, good crowd tonight. Our, our Sunday night crowd really is the core of the church. And those who come Sunday nights and Monday nights, I know that you know, not everybody can come on Monday nights. Many of you do. But, um, you know, this is the, I think we'd all be honest after all these years of, of, of doing this, that the people who come back uh, on Sunday nights, you know, are generally speaking are the core of the church. And really, uh, core health, the strength of, of, of this group of the body of Impact Family Church really determine where we go as a church and what we're able to accomplish. This is our gut health. This is our, our core strength at, at Impact Family Church. And, um, you know, as people who are in the core, you all stand in a position of leadership. You all are in a position of leadership in the church. You know, something I've, I've always been mindful of, mindful of growing up, you know, uh, as a, a preacher's kid growing up, you're always aware of eyes being on you, you know, whether you're 10 or 11 or 12, I was just keenly aware of all, you know, eyes being on everything that I did. And, and, but you know that it's true of you as well. Somebody's watching you. Every person here, don't know if you know that or not, but you know, Santa not only is the one that's keeping track of you, he sees you. No, other people also see you and, and watch you. And somebody is watching you, not from a, a being critical or trying to find fault in you, but from a what are you doing and is there something I can latch hold of? Every person in here, you, there, there is a, if you're part of the core, you're also in a position of leadership in our church. Many of the, the people who serve in our church are the ones who come back, obviously, on Sunday nights. And so they're involved in the ministry of helps. Thank God for the ministry of helps and, and those areas. Um, but just the fact that you're, you're here, part of the core, people are watching you, and you have such uh, 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 not just value, but a specific role in the function of the church and where we go and how we proceed and the health of the church is really not just about the pastor or, or the pastoral staff or department leaders, but it's as a whole. Every person who's a part of that core, you're a, you're a leader in this church. You, I don't know if you realize that or not, but what you do, how you do it, how you live your life, all of those different things, it matters not only to God, but somebody else is taking uh, their cues from you. You know, one of the things that we're told to do is to be, to, to be disciplers, right? Not to just to be a disciple ourselves, a follower, but to disciple others, teaching them to obey, right? That's part of our job. And really, when you're part of the core, our lives alone are, are not all of it, but it's a big part of just how we live our life and who we are and, and the things we value and how we go about our, our business and handling ourselves. It's a big part of, of, of setting the tone and helping somebody else uh, fall into place, but also to be who God's called them to be. And so as a core, the core members of the church, I want you to know you're important. You, you should know that. And, and you are valuable to the church. You're, you're important. But as the core goes, so goes the rest of the church. You know, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul was writing, talking about the children of Israel, and he, and he was talking about Moses when they left um, uh, um, when they left Egypt and, and were traveling, you know, and he said that this was given, given as our example, and it was given for us as an example of how to do things, because these people had great promises given to them, but they didn't enter into them. And I want to look at uh, Numbers chapter 13, uh, uh, Numbers the 13th chapter. I know in the last year, I probably read this, this, this passages a lot, 
Uh, because anytime God gives us a specific example, I want to know that example really well and get the instruction that I need out of those examples. There's things here we need to see, right? So we're talking to the core tonight. We're talking to the, the we're doing a gut health check tonight. And, uh, um, you know, it's important to do a gut health check, not just when you have gut health problems, but when you uh, have just in general to keep your core maintained, right? I know pastor said this morning about my brother. I love hearing stories about my brother when he does something silly. It just warms my heart. But anyway, because... You know, growing up, Steve was the perfect one, the all-knowing one, and I just never do anything. He was always smarter than me. I would never do what he did. I would never, you know that, I would never do that. The pastor told the story this morning, they had a hurricane. He said Hurricane George or whatever it was, he didn't know, but he didn't know the particular storm came through, you know, was, was uh, heading along, I guess, through the Gulf and supposed to get to uh, Tampa and and. And because uh, they live right on a lake in Tampa, and so when there's flooding, I mean, it's, it's you know, you want to make sure, I mean, you know, you have a lake, the wind really picks up steam going across the lake. And so he, he went out and bought the plywood and did all the things you've got to do to get your house storm ready and hurricane ready. And uh, Hurricane George or Javier or Susie or Angela, whatever it was, uh, uh, went back out, just, you know, turned and, oh, uh, Hurricane Angela, that just sounds really, whew, frightening, intense, intense. It's got an evil eye. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Woo, that evil eye. That eye of the storm. It is is evil. But anyway, um, it'll blow you down. So... So anyway, he, he, you know, he, he went and, and, and he got the, the plywood. And if you've ever set plywood up in windows, it is not fun. It's not just something you just want to do. Oh, a storm's coming. I get to do it at plywood. No. So, but you got to do it when a storm's coming. So he went and put all the plywood up and did all the things you got to do. Well, the storm turned and went back out to sea. And if you were here this morning, if you were, I'll tell it again. But anyway, so went out to sea and Steve... My brother forgot about something. Yes. And so he just forgot about it, wasn't paying attention to the, the news or the weather channel. He took the plywood down, you know, because it's going off another direction. Well, he didn't realize that in his period of being completely irresponsible for the rest of his family, that the storm turned around and was coming back towards Tampa. And so he wasn't paying attention. And so he didn't realize there was a problem until the tropical force, tropical storm force winds were upon them. And so he's out trying to put the have you ever done that before, you know, where you had to put something up in a storm? And it, I mean, you, you grab a sheet of plywood when the wind is blowing, tropical force winds. You're not, you're not putting plywood up. You're going for a sail. I mean, you're flying, right? So he's trying to put it up on his windows, and he called Dad. He said, you know, he said, Dad, you said this. I heard this my whole life growing up in church, you know, that you, know, and that you want to be prepared before the storm comes. You want to make sure that you've got yourself and your house in order and things set before the storm comes. Waiting until there's a storm is no time to try to get yourself prepared. Really, your effectiveness in the storm depends on your preparation before the storm, right? And so he waited until the storm got there, and, and uh, uh, uh you know, what wasn't really prepared for it. Well, when it comes to gut health and, and checking up on the core things in our life uh, for the core group or the core of our, our Christian walk, make sure we're staying up on these things that are important. That way, when temptation comes or trials come, which come to us all, that we're ready for these things, right? And uh, so you've got here the example of uh, the children of Israel that were given. Thank God this was recorded. There's so much here that, that is good for us. And it says here in Numbers 13, then the first verse said, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. So God had already made the decision. He was giving something to the children of Israel. It was now theirs. When God gives you something, nobody can take it away. When God says something is yours, it's yours. 
It belongs to you. There's not a bigger dude on the block who can take it from you, right? It is yours. God has declared it. So he said, he said, send men out to the land, spout the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of the fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord, all of the men who were the heads of the children of Israel. So they selected, we know them as the 12 spies of the 12 tribes of Israel. So these were all leaders in, in, amongst their tribes, leaders amongst their family. You could say this, this was the core of the children of Israel. It wasn't, it wasn't enough. God didn't send Moses and Aaron he sent the, the leaders, the heads of these, of these tribes, he sent them, the, these 12 men, he sent them out. See, a lot of times people think, well, it's going to be up to the pastor. No, it's not. There, there, is, there, are, there is a role in the order of the kingdom of God that's not just the pastor. Remember, the pastors, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, they are there for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. That's the job of, of the ministry gifts is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, not to do all of the work of the ministry. Their work is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so these were the, the leaders of the children of Israel. Uh, and so God sent, told them, listen, you need to go out and spy out the land and see what was going on. Well, you know, the way they went about it and doing it and, and the report that they had is the thing that determined what happened to the children of Israel. If you go down in the verse, you know, of course, they're, they're sent out. It calls out all the names of, of the different leaders, the, the men that, that were, were sent out. And then if you get to uh, verse 25, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron. Remember, Moses and Aaron didn't go with them, but they came back to them. And all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So it's interesting, these, these fellows went in and they were beginning to experience some things for themselves. They went into this area, they spied it out, and they brought it back. I'm sure they ate some of it while they were there, and I'm sure it tasted great, right? They said, um, then they told them, and said, we went to the land where you sent us, verse 27, it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Then they want to say, verse 28, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb, verse 30, quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. So this is one of the 12. He silenced him. He said, listen, he said, we are well able to overcome it. Thank God for voices of faith that will proclaim we are well able to do it, right? And he said, we are able to do this at once. Verse 31 said, but the men who had gone up with him, this is the rest of the core that went, said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Verse 33, then we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants and, they were, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. This is not the report that the Lord was wanting them to give. Just because the Lord wanted the core to do something didn't mean the core was going to do, do the right thing. Just because the core is supposed to be engaged doesn't mean it's always engaged. It's, it's got to be something that is a, a conscious choice. 
And as members of the coordinate, we all have a choice, myself included, to be fully engaged and to be right where God wants us to be and supplying what God's called us to be, to, to, to supply, right? And so he said, uh, they, they saw the, 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 the giants there, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Verse, uh, the first verse of chapter 14. So all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if we'd only died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should, be, should become victims? Would it, would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And, of course, you know the, the story, the account of what happened here. Of course, you know, the children of Israel uh, believed the, 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 the testimony, the witness, the report of the ten, didn't listen to Joshua and Caleb, didn't listen to them. And so that whole generation died off. But going back to our, our, our topic tonight, this was the core of the children of Israel and their report, their view, the way they approached what God had given them and said about them was really was the determining factor between whether or not you lived or died, whether you entered in or you didn't enter in. The Bible says that whole generation died off. Except for Joshua and Caleb, the, 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 the other 10, and all of the ones who were adult men, of the adults of fighting age, of that age, you know, all of them who gave witness or, or gave credence to that report and bought into it, all of them died off because of that. And so they spent 40 years in the wilderness really just, just spending time, just kind of just, just walking around, spinning their wheels until that generation was gone, and the core changed. There was a, there was a new core that could come in and take hold of what God had said. The core matters. That's why I said you guys matter. It's not just from a simple standpoint of just being complimentary of you, which we are compliment, complimentary of you, and we do appreciate the fact that you're here, but you matter to the health of the church. You matter to the health of this local assembly that God has attached us to. Your, your, not just your presence, but your voice, your opinion, your lifestyle, who you are matters to the overall health to the, of the church. You know, we want, we want more people to be joining the core. We want the core to grow. We want the core to, to continue to develop and, and to be, because the stronger the core, the more we can carry, right? The more that can be done. Well, in order for that to happen, the core itself's got to be strong. And you notice that the core starts to grow. You have a church where the core isn't strong, the church isn't growing. Where the church isn't strong, the, the, where the core isn't strong, the church isn't gaining ground in the things of God. But where you've got a, a core that is strong, I tell you, the sky's the limit. You think about the Azusa Street Revival. It was just a handful of people where, where they were the core, the, the ones who were, were behind that move of God. And what God was doing wasn't many, but that small group who went in those, those little tiny, that stable in, in Azusa in Los Angeles, you know, this small group, they were strong. They were determined. They weren't going to be talked out of what God had said, what was in their heart to do, because as a result of that, a small group affected the entire world. People were flying in from, or not flying, but coming in from all around the world to find out what was going on. Well, that was Los Angeles. Yeah, but it was not in a good side of town. It was not in a great location, right? And it was a small little group. None of that matters anything. None of that matters at all. In the, in the, in the kingdom of God, in, in the way the kingdom of God works, Numbers don't matter. It's the heart behind it. it it's, it's, it's the position we put ourselves in, and we're being joined with him. It's who we're partnered with, right? And if we're walking in that partnership. And so the core of the church matters, and what God has for us is, is, is so dependent upon that. And so we want to, there's just three areas that the Lord put in my heart for us to be flexing our spiritual abdominal muscles, right? And keeping our spiritual
spiritual abdominal muscles tight in, our, our gut health good in, and I just have three areas tonight, but these are so important to us. Go with me over to uh, Revelations, uh, Revelation chapter 3, and we're just going to look at a, at a few things uh, here. Like I said, this was, uh, you know, the Lord dropped this in my heart before service this morning, and, 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 I, and I just want to, as a disclaimer, say, you know, uh, it's just because it's what God wants us to talk about. It's not because anything specific is going on. The you know, pastor said this morning, well, you know, you know it can be a, we can be distracted during Christmas. Anybody ever been distracted during Christmas? Uh, you know, it's not because of that, you know, and, and really we shouldn't be distracted during Christmas anyways, right, where God is concerned. He's done too much. But uh, uh, just areas that we can, we can before, before opposition comes, we can maintain, and we can always be maintaining, right? It says here in um, Revelation chapter 3, now there's, uh, we want to maintain our passion for the Lord. We want to maintain our passion for the Lord. Now, there's two areas that, that, that two reasons why, because maintaining our passion for the Lord, how many know it's good, first and foremost, it's good for me? As an individual, me maintaining my heart for the things of God and my love for the Lord and my passion for him. What is passion? It's an intense love, right? It, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not just a passing thing. How many know something that Keith Moore had said, uh, I don't know, it's been, I guess, a few years ago. It kind of stuck with me. He said, you know, uh, uh, he said people use the word, they, they throw around the word, I love this all the time. I love this, I love that, I love this, I love that. He said the Lord dealt with him about not using that word. And, and I'm not saying you have to do that. You need to follow your own heart, right? But when he said it, it just kind of like sparked something in me just as a, just as a, uh, uh, just as a, a reminder for me personally. He said, you know, the Lord dealt with him by not saying you just love, I, you know, I love chocolate. Or I don't think I said that earlier, did I? Did I say I love chocolate? Not pretty much, Iris. Don't accuse me now. I don't know if I did or not. But anyway, got the accuser of the brethren back here. I don't know. I don't know if I did or not. I likes it a lot. Okay, so I don't know if I love it, but I likes it a lot. So people, you know, I used to say I love chocolate. Now I say, if I'm thinking about it, I really like chocolate, right? He said, you know, there's, there's things that you really like, but there's really not many things you love. And there shouldn't be a lot of things that you love, right? There, he said, I love my wife. He said, you know, there are things you do love. He said, but primarily the things I love would be, he said, Phyllis, his wife. He said, I also love the Lord. He said, I don't, I don't love my car. I don't love my house. I don't love certain things. I like them, but I don't love them. And for me, it was just kind of like, yeah, that's, that's good. You know, because sometimes we, wrote, we throw around the word love. We love this, we love that, and it cheapens what love really is. When you love something, when you, you love something, it holds such a place. It's not just, it's different than chocolate. When you love something, it's something that chocolate, as much as I like it, I can live without it. Thank God I haven't done it yet. The Lord isn't asking me to, but, but praise the Lord. He's not, he's not giving, asking me, don't, don't do it. He's, he's giving the wink. Yes, it is. No, no, it's not. He'll talk to me, brother, not you. But anyway. I could live without it, right? I could live without it. But when you really love something, you can't live without it. It holds such an important place in your life that you'd be willing to do anything for it. it the, maintaining a passion in a, in, a, in a real love for God is vital to our own personal lives. Let me ask you, can you live without the Lord? Now, that's good in church to say, you can, you, I couldn't live without the Lord. But how many know how we, how we handle Monday and how we handle Tuesday 
really determines whether or not we're living without him or not. Right? We need to maintain a strong, passionate love for God. It's something the Lord said to me. He said, he said, you know, he said, he said, you know, people's love for me shouldn't be dependent upon me trying to impress them. I think sometimes when people approach God and they have, a, they have a love for God and it's one that's a passionate love for God in times where God is, is, is doing something that is no, 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 what's the right word? No, no, uh, huh? Anyway, noticeable or extraordinary in their life, right? Something, I mean, if God comes through and they're faced with some situation and God just comes in and rescues them or something happens. You know, I've noticed in my life, my walk with God, it's not like 24-7 of just, whoa, that was amazing. Anybody here, you live your, your walk with God is 24-7, you're just like, oh, my goodness. Nobody's hands going up? I love my wife, but not every moment is, wow, that was amazing, right? Most moments. Like 99.9, no, no, you know what I'm saying? No, God, we, we, our lives, we have other things that we're doing. But I've noticed that there are some people that their love for God is depending on, it's kind of like, what have you done for me lately? Their approach, their passion for God is based on what have you done for me lately? It's not God's job to impress us. or to be, he's, he's not a trick pony or, or something that is, he's not someone that's just trying to constantly impress us. He's God. We ought to be impressed already because he's God. In, in the definition of the one true God, being God means that there is not a being greater there's, there's not a being more important. There's not a being of, of anything you can think. There's no one greater than him. And so our love for the Lord is something, it's not up to him trying to impress us all the time. It's something that we maintain on our own, something that we are careful to watch over and make sure that our love, our passion, our heart for God stays intense, that it stays real, that it stays, that it stays vibrant, right? And not because he's having to just impress us, but because of who he is. He's God. And I'm his son, and you're his son. You're his daughter. And because of that, our love for him ought to always be strong and real, no matter what's going on, it ought to be something that consumes us, right? We don't just love God like we love chocolate. The reality is I don't even love God like I love my wife. Our love for God ought to be higher than anything else in life. And the question is, is that the case in our life? If anything else holds a position above him, then Adjustments need to be made. Our passion for God is vital for ourselves personally. Especially in, uh, in uh, Revelation 3. Now this was, um, uh, of course you have the letters to the seven churches. If you've not read this before, you should go back and read it. It's, it's really interesting, good stuff. It's, it's cool. This is the, uh, some of the last things that were recorded from, from the Lord Jesus himself for us. So there's some great stuff in here. And, but here in, in the, the 14th verse, he's talking to the, the heading is the lukewarm church. That is not a... a um, a title that I want to be a part of, right? But it goes on to say, uh, let me find my verse here, in the 16th verse, yeah. In, in Revelation 3, 16, it says, so then, we'll just start in verse 14, and to the angels or the messenger of the church of Laodicea, yeah, that place, right? These things says, um, 
These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. So he, this right here says, listen, you need to listen. Verse 15, I know your works that you, are, that, that you are neither hot or cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. Verse 16, so then because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, my first thing here is it's important for our own personal life to keep our love for God real, and we can say it this way, red hot. Our passion for the Lord stirred Fully uh, uh, developed, involved, you know, it's something that is, that, is, that is super real to us. Jesus himself said here, he said that he wishes we were cold or hot. He said, he said um, because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. Meaning not hot or cold or cold or hot means you have elements of cold in you and elements of heat in you, but you're somewhere in the middle. I think sometimes we think if, if, if our love for the Lord is hot in one area, that he's okay with it because he's okay with the cold areas or, or the cold degree on this side because we've got some heat on this side. He wants it all hot. He wants our walk with, he wants our love towards him, our, our heart towards him to be red hot 24 seven. He wants all of it. And he said, if it's not, he said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Now I've had people ask me, what does that mean? He'll spit us out of his mouth. I vomit us out of his mouth. I don't know exactly what that means, but I don't want to find out. I can tell you that there's not been one thing that I've ever vomited out of my mouth or spewed out of my mouth that I ever went back to, right? We don't need to get graphic, right? But you all know what I'm saying. That's not stuff you want to keep. Jesus said, I wish you were one or the other. He said, but because you're neither, you're somewhere in the middle. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Now, we, we all thank God for the grace of God, but I don't know exactly what that means. The whole point is it's good for me personally. Peter Gregory Anderson. Yes, that's my full name, right? Thanks for giving me the name Peter. Everybody picks on me about it. That's all right. Peter Gregory. No, I love it. And by the way, Gregory's a wonderful name. Q and Lizzie, you missed it. But anyway, um, <laughs> what's that? Yeah, we said in the office that we should, they should have named him Greg one. Get both of us in there. Ed, Edery, Ed, Edery or something. Edwin and Gregory. But anyway. Now, they did a good job. He's got a rock star name. But anyway, no, it's good for us personally to make sure because I don't want to come to the place where I'm, I'm thinking that everything is cool, but I really, I'm living a lukewarm life, and he's not pleased with that. There's a scripture that says that if there's anybody whose heart draws back, he has no pleasure in them. I mean, Pastor read the scripture this morning that without faith, it's impossible to please God. But what about the other side? If we draw back in an area, he has no pleasure in us. So our love for the Lord is not something that really doesn't matter. Really, it really doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter what we're facing in life. Doesn't matter what's approaching us. Our love for the Lord, being passionate, is everything. Are y'all in agreement with me? I mean, it is everything. I don't care what's going on. It's the most important thing because I don't want Jesus to be dissatisfied with me, and I definitely don't want Him to spew me out of His mouth. And so as a personal level, it's vital, keeping a passionate love for the Lord and a passionate heart towards God, but also for others. Go over to uh, Hebrews, the, the, um, uh, uh, the 10th chapter, Hebrews chapter 10. It's a scripture we know, but I want to look at it. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Is this all right tonight? Good, good. Even if it isn't, I'm going to keep going. But anyway, 
Praise God. No, I'm just kidding. In the uh, 10th chapter, verse 23, it says, Let us hold, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. Aren't you glad God's faithful? Aren't you glad God's faithful? Whew, thank God, thank God. Verse 24, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more uh, as you see the day approaching. And obviously we're here tonight, so you're doing that. That's good. But notice he said, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Now, some translations of that, to stir up love, say acts of, of love or, 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 or actions of love. How many know stirring up actions of love towards others is, is important? Those things are important. But, but I want to just take it back to a more simple level, level, just to stir up love and good works. But love. Do you realize that your love for the Lord... Or, or, the, or our love for the Lord is important not just for ourselves personally, but it's important for the whole church as a whole. It's important for those that God joins us with. Our love for the Lord is vital. Do you want to go to a church where a pastor doesn't really love the Lord? Eh. Eh. Eh, well, you know, it's Sunday. Eh. I'd rather watch Geraldo. No, you don't want that, right? No, you, you Geraldo, I don't know. <laughs> Is Geraldo even on TV anymore? Did he back in the day have like a talk show thing he did? Anyway, all right. I want to watch some Judge Judy. No, you, you, want, a, you, want, a, you want a pastor who, sorry, y'all's many of you, your kids did this to me, and some of y'all did this to me. But anyway, um, no, you, you want a pastor who, who has a, a genuine love for the Lord, the things of God, and, and for who he is. You want that. Well, we want to have church members who have a real love for, for God. It's not, and it's not enough just to have part of the core it wasn't enough for the children of Israel for two of them to be fully convinced that God would do what he said. I mean, they were, they were, they were to the point, they, they didn't say, Joshua and Caleb didn't say, no, there's no giants. No, they're not big and bad. They're, they're, I didn't see a single one. They didn't say that. They didn't, they didn't argue that they were people in the land that were great. They didn't even address it. They just said, we're able to do it. God gave it to us. We're able to, let's go right now. And as emphatic as they were, there were still 10 others who didn't agree, and the voice of the 10 outweighed the voice of the two, no matter how strong it was, right? So you even have some who've got an intense love for the Lord. That's good. On a personal level, that's good. You're not in spew danger, right, of being spewed out or anything, but as a whole, we need everybody. We need the core to be strong. We need 100% we need participation in, in, a, in a strong passion for the Lord. It's vital, it is vital. Back in Revelation chapter 3. In the 19th verse. He said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Never, never shy away from when the Lord rebukes or chastens you, corrects you. Never run from that. You know, I've made the mistake of correcting the wrong way with my kids. I've made that mistake in the past. God never makes that mistake. He never, he always does it the right way. His words are always perfect. You know, his word, it's, it's, it, even when it's, have you ever had the Lord been, been a little, little sharp with you? Say something a little painful to you? If you haven't, <laughs> 
either you're perfect or you ain't listening because I've definitely had him be a little sharp with me, right? And sometimes it hurts. But it says here, it says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. The Amplified says, those who, whom I dearly and tenderly love, I tell their faults and convict and convince and reprove and chasten. I discipline and instruct them. So be enthusiastic and be in, in earnest and burning zeal and repent. Change your mind and attitude. He didn't say somebody else do this for you. Call for the pastor to pray for you. Ask me to change your mind. He didn't say any of that. He just said, listen. He said, be enthusiastic and in earnest and burning zeal. It means be passionate about God, right? He said, repent. Change your mind. Change the way you're doing this. I like that, that, that phrase. It says, uh, 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 to be zealous. The, the Weist translation says, ask for myself as many as I am fond of, I, re I reprove. I tell you, his, his correction means he's fond of you. I like it when he says those I love, but I also like when the, the wording there. He said those I'm fond of. Woo! Hey, hey, he's fond of us, right? When he's correcting me, he's fond of us, right? He's fond. I, I take it. I like it, right? He said, as for myself and as many as I'm fond of, I reprove so as to bring out conviction and confession, and I discipline, correct, and guide. He said this, that we said, be constantly zealous, therefore, and have a change of mind at once. He didn't say do it later. He said do it right now. But I love that phrase, be constantly zealous, therefore, and have a change of mind. You know, I've noticed this, that coldness is a gradual process. No one who's got a, a strong love for the Lord goes from 100% on board and, and, and passionately zealous for God, and the next minute they could care less. It's a process. It's a process that happens. It's, it happens, sometimes can happen over years. Sometimes it can happen over months. Depends upon how much cold air you let in. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a cook. Amy does all the cooking in the house. She's teaching Mia how to cook, and, and they do a good job. There are certain things that I cook, and so I, I like to make grits. I can make some mean grits. I've noticed, I noticed today everything I make involves a lot of butter. But anyway, uh, I can make some good grits, you know. I can make some good popcorn. Hey, that's a, that's a gift. Right? Y'all are looking at me like, that's so sad. I know it's sad, but anyway. But I know as a kid, my aunt used to make Chex Mix for us. And I love that Chex Mix. Every time we get that Chex Mix, man, I, that day I'd eat all the Chex Mix she sent me. And she hasn't given me Chex Mix in years. And so I, it's been a long time. But anyway, we won't go into that. But uh, a couple years ago, I decided I'm going to make some Chex Mix. And I bought all the products. You know, buying the products don't mean you're going to have good Chex Mix. I just had a bunch of stale Chex cereal in my house because I didn't do anything with it. So this year, I was like, I'm going to make some Chex Mix. I got on online. I Googled making Chex Mix. And so I've made like four batches of Chex Mix. And I am proud to say... It is mighty fine. It's, it's, um, it's some good, good checks. I, I, I got it right. This last batch was good. Because <laughs> my mom said, how come you haven't shared? Because my children eat it all. <laughs> no, it's me. But anyway, uh, I'll, make you some, I'll make you some checks mix. But, you know, I'm not really a, a, a chef. But on this, right, the other stuff I've made doesn't involve an oven. That's the real true test of cooking. <laughs> but... Uh, so pot and corn and anyway, poppy. But anyway, this involves the oven. So you, you set it on a whopping. This is so sad of an example, but I got to use it. You set it on 250 degrees, right? And, you, and you, after you mix it all up, you cook it for 15 minutes at a time. You take it out. You stir it. Put it back in 15 minutes. You do this for an hour. You, you cook this stuff. And then you let it sit out and cool and, and get good and crunchy. I noticed when I opened the oven, 
Amy keeps getting on to me about it because I keep doing this. And finally, last night, I got it right. When you open the oven, there's this blast of heat that comes out. And I keep opening the oven with my face right down there, like <laughs> singeing my eyebrows off and what have you, you know. I don't have a whole lot to spare. But anyway, uh, you know, and so t- finally yesterday I'm like, I made some, some stuff and I was like, hey, watch this. And I opened it, I stepped back. <laughs> like, okay. But I noticed this when it goes, I had to open it to be able to stir it. But if I wanted to cook right, I got to keep that door closed. I have to keep a constant heat in there. I can't just have heat because if the door is open, it says 250 degrees, but it's 250 degrees that, that the burners are putting out. But because the door is open, it's not a constant temperature and other things affect what's going on. And even though it's, it says 250 on the oven, because the door open, the, the door is open, the heat's escaping. And it's not just that the heat's escaping, cold is coming in, right? And so constant heat, constant zeal, he said to be zealous constantly is what he said. Jesus said constant zealous or ze- constant zealous, right? Because we need to be constant. Because some things in order to cook right or to develop right, it needs some constant. Sometimes we miss out on what God wants to do because we have a love, but it's not a constant love. Right? It's not a constant love. It's, 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 sometimes it's a convenient love. Right? There's a difference. It's not a constant love. Sometimes it's a lazy love, right? It's not a constant love. Sometimes it's a selfish love. But he said it's a constant love. If, if we want what God has for us to produce, remember, this goes back to personally and to others, right? Our own personal lives, but also what, who God has called us to be as leaders in the church, as the core. A constant love is important in order for proper cooking. Temperature's got to be maintained. And it's not just that other, it's really, it, when there's constant temperature being maintained, other things can be introduced and heated up. Right? You can introduce more things in it if you're keeping it constant. There's no danger to what's cooking because it, you're keeping a, 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 an atmosphere of constant temperature in there. So it's to, a constant, to be constantly zealous. Constantly zealous. Coldness is a result of gradual cooling. One of the things Jesus said of the signs of the time, the end of the age in Matthew 24, I'll read it to you. You can write it down, Matthew 24, 12, and 13. He says, and this is speaking to the, of the conditions of the world that would be going on. He said, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But notice verse 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. That means you say this way, the love of many will grow cold, but those who don't grow cold shall be saved. It means it'll fully produce in the life what's necessary to be produced in the life and maintained, right? We must, we must keep a constant zeal for the things of God. Not just the things of God, but for himself personally. When sometimes people say the things of God, they think the blessings of God. And the blessings are great, but what about God himself? Not because of what he does for you, but just because of who he is. Right? Keeping a constant zeal, constant love for the God. If we don't do that, you, there's no way to not grow cold. And when you're growing cold, it can still be hot to the touch, but not be the right temperature. It can still be hot to where it would burn you, but it's still not producing what it's supposed to produce. Right? If I leave the oven door open and it's set to 250, and I, but I leave the door open, I still can't reach my hand in there and just grab something. It would burn me. But it's not the right temperature, so it won't produce what it's supposed to produce. An element of coolness has been introduced into it. 
That means you're not hot and you're not cold. You're somewhere in the middle. And that's not a place we want to be, correct? I like the Message Bible in Revelation 13. I'll just add this. The Message Bible in, in Revelation 3.19 says, run after God. Run after God. Don't run from him, especially when he's correcting you, dealing with you, asking you to do this, do that. Man, run to God. The second thing is to maintain, as a core, maintain vision and purpose. Go to Proverbs chapter 29, Proverbs the 29th chapter. Didn't realize I've been up here for 40 minutes already. Proverbs 29, 18th verse, it says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. I think that the King James says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You need to maintain a strong love for the Lord, a zeal for God, but at the same point, a clear vision in front of us for our lives personally, our families, keeping a clear vision, what, what, who, who God has called us to be, because without vision, you're going to get off course. If you, don't, if you don't have it in front of you, you're, how do you know when you're not going the right direction? You won't know. But if you're always keeping an eye on the vision, keep an eye on your destination where God has called you, and then you can always be adjusting. You know, our vision as a church, Acts 26, 16, rise and stand upon your feet. If you read that, we'll, we'll look at it. Go over to Acts 26, 16. Now, we have our own personal vision to keep in front of us, but our vision as a church. This is our heavenly vision that God has given us at Impact Family Church. This, this is the mandate God has given us. And he said, that's the church's vision. That's not my vision. If God's placed you here, it's a part of your vision. And as, as core members, we have to recognize that where God has placed me, I can't choose a different, I can't choose where to be placed. It's up to him. He's God. And he's placed me somewhere than what he's called that group to do. I'm a part of that vision. But it says in Acts 26, 16, but rise and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and the things that will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well from the Gentiles to whom I now send you and to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. Having a vision is great, but we've got to do something with it. We've got to keep it in our focus. Let it say, maintain as a, as a gut health, as a, as a core strength, keep the vision in front of us. He went on to say in the 19th verse, he said, Therefore, King Agrippa, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. What does that mean? I didn't let anything else get in the way. I kept my focus right where it's supposed to be. Your vision is important. The vision God's given you personally, the place he's given you in this church, keep it in front of you. Maintain the vision. The last and third one is maintain trust in the Lord. I spend a lot of time on our love for the Lord because it's the vice. If your love for the Lord is burning and passionate, the others will fall in line, but you still have got to make sure it happens, right? You still have got to make sure that it is what it's supposed to be, but it's a whole lot easier when your love for God is correct. The third one is to maintain, a core strength is to maintain trust in the Lord. Jeremiah 17, the seventh verse says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Not everybody is blessed, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the water which spreads out its roots by the river. He will not fear when heat comes, but its leaves will be green. He will not be anxious in the, anxious in the year of drought, nor 
Will he cease from yielding fruit? I love the ending of that. All of these things are great. He's, he's being secure, but I love it ends with he's going he's gonna to bear fruit. He's going to be bearing fruit. He's going to be producing something in his life. Remember, as, as a core, members on Sunday nights who come, Monday nights who come, our health is important because if we're doing that, there'll be fruit that will abound, right? I do know this. Anything you do for a long time can slip if you're not careful. Anything you've been at for a while can slip if we're not careful, right? Anything we've been at for a long time can slip if we're not careful. Time really isn't as long as it seems to be sometimes, you know, think about Jesus. How old was Jesus when he started his ministry? Luke chapter 3, anybody know? Around 30 years old. At 12, he knew who he was. Now, he might have known it sooner. We don't know. But at 12 years old, he definitely knew who he was. He had one of those bonehead 12-year-old moments, you know. Could Jesus have a bonehead moment? Apparently he did. He said, why are you looking for me? I'm like, well, what's the big deal, right? 12-year-old kids. But he said, listen, he said, don't you know I'd be about my father's business? He had 18 more years to go before he entered into his ministry. You might have thought, he, imagine being Jesus, the son of God, knowing who you are the way he did and having to wait till you were around 30 to do it. It'd be easy to say, you know, this is, this is crazy. I, I want to get, on, I wanna get the, the, a shortened version. You know, sometimes... When I, make that, when I make that stuff, it takes an hour to cook, right? Doing it for 45 minutes is not going to produce the same result. And if we're going to do it the right way, we're going to need to leave it in for an hour. And if your ministry is not supposed to start till you're 30, Jesus, you've got to wait till you're 30. The reality was it wasn't so much about Jesus. He needed the 12 that were going to be around, or the, the 12 that were going to be around. He needed them to be ready, right? So, and it's okay if you're waiting because God's wanting you to wait for somebody else. Man, wait for somebody else, but... Keep it in time. Don't become distracted by it's taking too long. Listen, I don't care what area it is. When time becomes an issue, well, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, I'm going to miss my boat. Don't ever buy into that life. You'll obey God. He will always see you through. And one minute in the will of God is better than 20 years in the half okay will of God. It is always better. Always better. Peter, I mean Paul rather, got born again, the road to Damascus. He was on the way to Damascus. Do you know how long he stayed in Damascus? They said he preached in Damascus. Do you know how long he was there? He didn't just be like, oh, I've had a vision. Jesus has appeared to me. Ananias has prayed for me. I got my sight back. I'm going to go see the apostles. We're going to get this party started. He didn't do that. He stayed there for three years. Galatians chapter 1, he was there for a period of three years he stayed there. I'll say this, whether it's three years, three months, three days, three decades, really doesn't matter being on time, and it starts with staying in love with the Lord. I keep going, it stays with staying in love with the Lord. If your love for God, for him, has personally has waned, repent and change it. Make it right. You don't have to, you don't, he is willing to take you. He's looking for an opportunity. He hasn't, aren't you glad God's love doesn't grow old, cold for us? His love hasn't, hasn't waned in the least. He's, he's kept the door closed. The whole, it's still cooking at 250. He's, he's not done. It's not changed. It's probably at 2,000. 2,500, who knows, right? I mean, his passion is, is, his love for you has not changed. Well, if yours has, just close the door, put the temperature back where it's supposed to be. Right? God is faithful. 
One last scripture, I'll read this. Turn this to Galatians chapter six and we'll stop. Galatians, the sixth chapter. Remember that scripture, it said repent, change. Only we can do that. Nobody can do it for us. Only we can do that for ourselves. I'm glad God doesn't force us to love him. He gives us the opportunity to choose to love him. In Galatians chapter 6, the ninth verse, it says, Let us, let us not grow weary while, be, while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If we don't grow cold, we will reap. Amen? Listen, you know, as the, like I said, the scripture, this is what the Lord put on my heart this morning, and as the core of our church and, and those that God has called to, to be the ones to, to, to really set the pace, to be the, the leaders of the tribe, right? The ones whose voices that others will hear and follow. Moses' voice they heard already. Aaron's voice they heard already. But their decision wasn't based on Moses and Aaron's voice. It was, it was determined by the 12's voice. And even two loud voices didn't make the difference. I will say this, we wouldn't even know the names of the, well, we do know the names. They did list the names, the only place they're listed. After that, we don't, they don't once the report was, the Bible calls that, it called it an evil report. Their names were never mentioned. But Caleb and Joshua, their names were mentioned again. So that tells me this, if, if you're, you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're keeping your, all these things in check, your gut health is good, keep doing it. All right, keep doing it, keep doing it, no matter what anybody else is doing. But, but if you're one of the 10, if you find yourself being tempted in that area, make the adjustments that's necessary. Let's, let's make sure our gut health is strong. As a church, that our core is strong. Amen? Praise God. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word tonight. Hallelujah. We thank you for your presence and for your spirit. Father, we are so thankful. We are so grateful. Hallelujah. Father, we are so thankful. Lord, I'm personally thankful for times of adjustment and times to, of reflection and times of, of when you deal with me about correction and making adjustments and Lord, I'm grateful. And as a church, as, as a family, as a body, as the core of this church, Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your mercy in our lives. Father, tonight we, we, we make the determination to make sure our, 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 our health in these areas are where they should be. We're strong in these areas. Father, is there anything that we need to see or Myself or any of us individually see. Father, our hearts are open. Give us wisdom on how to respond, how to react. Father, I'm thankful that you are faithful to do just that. Lord, we honor you. We love you. We thank you for your goodness tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to love you. Thank you for the opportunity to know you. Thank, for the, thank you for the vision that you've given us. Thank you for all these things you've done. We are grateful. We are thankful. Hallelujah. Just say this after me. Say, Father, I love you. I love you more than anything else. You're my first. You're my last. I love you. Praise God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.